Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians. So, welcome to episode 100. 100. Oh my centenary, centenary episode. Centenary episode, guys. So this is kind of a huge deal for us. It is. Um, episode 100, we didn't expect to get here. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> I kind of knew we would get here, but I was like, I don't know how. Riza and I didn't have like a strategy. We just, we've always no. just set intentions. We yeah. don't do big strategy sessions. So when people ask us how we got to 60, what 66,000, 67,000 we're like, yeah. it's all very energetic and intentional. <laughs> <laughs> all we knew, all, all that I knew was that for heaven's sake, somebody needs to speak property investing in Tswana, Zulu, Siswadi. Like somebody needs to unpack this so that people can hear it because we've been looking for investment um, assets that we can get into that real, that create and build real wealth, right? And that's why we did, that's why we, we started this podcast. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So our guest today is just an amazing. She he, he is the reason why Ben and I wanted to do this podcast. John yeah. Griffith. Yeah. John Griffith is our guest, guys. But first, let's introduce ourselves because we just oh, jumped yeah. right into <laughs> celebrating episode 100, which I think we can all agree is kind of like an incredible milestone. We've only just we started this podcast in 2019 in September. I was living in Penang, Malaysia at the time. Yes. Um, Mizo was in South Africa. I didn't even own a computer. And I didn't own a computer. You guys don't know this, but I didn't have a laptop for the first year of the podcast. And I only got a laptop because my team, in particular, Sophia, my brand yeah. manager, was like, I can't do this with you anymore you're getting a laptop and like within a few weeks i had a brand new laptop yeah. i was just like i can do this i'm living life this is the digital nomad life like i did everything on my cell phone i designed websites i did everything, everything. on my cell phone it was crazy but anyway, if you've just joined us my name is Mangile Magwapa. i am the host of the show and I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income, and live their best lives. Find me under Vanille Makwakwa on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Find me under Wealthy Money on Facebook. And with me is my incredible co-host. Co Yay. Hi there. I am Dr. Miranda. I'm Prop Doc Mom on all the platforms. My Facebook page is Prop Doc Mom. Go follow me there. I am Dr. Miranda underscore prop doc mom on instagram i'm a mentor i am a property mentor for beginners and um for property investor beginners and i get you from your fear anxiety and hesitance in investing to, in property to being confident about the strategy and how to proceed in your property investment journey and um the co-host of property magicians podcast and i am interviewing the hundredth 
guests. I am so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. So guys, without further ado, uh, you will hear how we explain in the next few minutes how John has influenced this podcast. So let's just get right into it. Let's do that. Okay, John, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're excited to have you. So, Nisa, I want you to tell John how he impacted you. Like, I think he, does, he doesn't know. John just has this me is... on Messenger just telling him things. <laughs> so crazy, hey? I was just about to say when we were offline, I was just about to say, John, I'm not pleased to meet you. I'm just pleased to see you again because I uh, think I met you in 2017 on a live video with Vangile mm -hmm. and she she did a live on um was it on money magic yeah it was on the money yeah. magic on the secret group in the money yeah. magic uh, secret group and you spoke about bigger pockets did <laughs> I not go to bigger pockets did I not eat up that bigger pockets yes. I have done all those episodes up to 502 wow. John. <laughs> that's awesome i love those it's fantastic Good. Really, and, and and my journey with podcast and property podcast started with bigger pockets because you spoke about mm. it and um, i think ben was doing a series of people who would talk to us about um etfs equity traded funds and property investing and setting up a portfolio whatever and my goodness so we this this podcast is not is not just an accidental podcast this episode yeah. was particularly because your your interview with them was what kicked us off with our podcast so wow. this is a very, very special episode for us. And it's especially, especially special for me because my goodness, you introduced yeah. me to bigger pockets. It was crazy. Crazy. So John, you don't know this, but Misa is a medical doctor by profession and she listened to this podcast and she was like, property, that is the way I'm gonna do, I'm gonna find a way to get into property. And she got, and I think, yeah. Had Misa not listened to it, to be honest, I was like, okay, great. I hear John talk about this. But then she went and she listened to Bigger Pockets, and then she got me obsessed with Bigger Pockets. And I was just like, <laughs> that's it. Like, we need a podcast. Like, after a few months, we're like, we need this for South Africa. And, you know, we didn't even know that the things that they discussed in property investing and Bigger Pockets were happening in South Africa. Yeah. We just assumed. Yeah only for the u.s market yep. 100 episodes which is now you you are our 100th guest wow. cool. we are so aware we've interviewed a hundred people and maybe only taken a break three times in this whole three time so we've wow. been consistent with finding um podcast guests for a hundred episodes so Amazing. thank you we would not have known this and Guys, if you're listening, it just happened randomly. John was just doing a friend check-in and he's like, I'm in real estate now. This is what I'm up to. And <laughs> this has this is exactly what led to this podcast. That one uh, email, uh, that one email check-in led to this whole thing. Because he didn't, you could have just said, Hey, how are you? Let's just do a Zoom meeting, like just friend stuff. But 
in that email, you were just like, and I'm into real estate and you just unpacked all this real estate stuff. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking real estate then in 2018. Yeah. 2017, yeah. we started the podcast in 2018, I think. Yeah. Or 2019. Yeah. Wow. No, Misa, 2017 is when I met you. So John did this in 2018. And then okay. in 2019, we started this. Oh, this is so exciting. That's so cool. It is. It warms it my heart. Cool. I'm really glad. I'm glad. <laughs> glad to see the joy too, because, you know, it's clear we share a passion for real estate. So it's great. Yeah. yeah. So I would listen to a podcast episode and then send the link to Van and I'm like, listen to this. Oh my God. Oh my, I wonder if it even exists in South Africa. Oh my goodness. It was so crazy. It was so crazy. And then there is the Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone. This guy is so yes. mad. I like, love him. Right? I love Grant Cardone. He's such an arrogant idiot. But I'm like, I kind of relate to him in some ways, so. <laughs> no, it, John, he is. thank you. So this is our way. We wanted you to be the 100th guest because we know yeah. what listening to you and your real estate journey did for us. And we're just so thankful that you decided to come on the Money Magic student group, not once, but twice, and to keep twice. unpacking and answering questions. Yes. And now we want our guests to hear your story as well and be yeah. as yeah. inspired as we were, right? Yeah. So tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? How do you define yourself as a human? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I define myself as an entrepreneur. Like I've always kind of been entrepreneurial, which you know, okay. as a young kid, meant being labeled with ADHD and kind of having trouble sitting still in school and getting right. in trouble, eventually getting expelled from high school, getting fired from jobs because I just had so much energy. I could like no one could really control it. And um, so when I when I found entrepreneurship, I found kind of a joy that comes from like ways to channel my energy. So I've run several businesses. Real estate is one of them. Um, recently, I just kind of went full time back into uh, running a coaching and healing business. So okay. I'm coaching executives, I'm coaching business owners, I'm coaching healers and how to start businesses like Van. Like, and um, that's been a really a fun joy for me as well. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's you. Oh, and I have two, oh two lovely goodness. children. Like, I have a three-year-old daughter um, and oh a six-month-old son. And I've been married for, gosh, almost 10 years. We're about to celebrate oh, our yeah. with a big blowout. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. Because <laughs> it's amazing that we made it 10 years of marriage. So we're going to celebrate like crazy. <laughs> that, that's amazing. It that's amazing. amazing. Mm. Girl, congratulations on that. Well, yeah, tell me, John, for me, what I, what I would love to know is when you bought your, when did you buy your first property? And when you did, did you know you were doing real estate uh, business or were you buying a house to live in? You wanted a roof over your head or your family's head? Yeah, it's very much both. Um, so it was in 2017 and mm. I bought a three family for two reasons. One was... Um, I was renting at the time and okay. every month I was sending a check to my landlord for $1,100 a month, but he just sat on a beach in Florida 
and you know, he's 80 years old and retired and did absolutely nothing and just had someone else manage the building. So I just started to do the math. I'm like, all right, this guy's, so this is a six unit. I'm like, that's about $7,000, but he owns like five or six properties. So he, he's yeah. pulling in 40 or $50,000 a month without doing anything. And honestly, yeah. it annoyed me so much. I felt like, oh, annoyed. Deserve, I feel like he didn't deserve because <laughs> he didn't do anything and i was like ah oh, so annoying like it pained me every every um month and the other thing that pained me was i went from being an entrepreneur where you know as an entrepreneur you can write off almost everything with taxes and pay very little taxes and i was so good at that sometimes i paid no taxes and then right. i took a job where i was making a lot of money and getting gouged like i was having to pay 40 or fifty thousand dollars a year in taxes and, I, and again it was yeah. i was freaking out i was like oh my gosh so i asked a wealthy friend of mine i'm like so if you're making money how do you protect yourself from taxes from taxes yeah and yeah. he's like get into real estate so he kind of planted the seed and i guess i had heard of bigger pockets mm. <clears throat> and um i don't even recall how i heard about it Maybe I just Googled okay. like real estate, but then I was like, I got right away. I realized I wanted to buy a multifamily so that I could live in one unit and rent the other two. So I bought a three family just outside okay. of Boston and you know, it was, it was amazing. Like I lived in one unit and the, the rents from the other two covered the entire mortgage. So I was living for free, but free. you also do get unbelievable tax benefits from yeah. having rental properties. Like you, you just every like i don't want to bore people but at least in the united states you can protect yeah. a lot of money with real estate um with real estate yeah so then i yeah so that's that's how i got into it it was both it was to live but also to you know build wealth and protect myself <laughs> <laughs> this is so amazing sorry guys i i am so distracted John is sitting outside. For someone listening to this podcast, right? We are recording this at 6 p.m. in South Africa, 11 a.m. in the U.S. And he's sitting outside and it's autumn, what they call fall. And there are golden leaves and brown leaves that keep falling off the trees. I can't. It is so gorgeous. <laughs> it is so beautiful. So there are leaves that keep falling on on your background and i'm just like oh this is so nice yeah. i wish i could capture this i hope i hope someone gets to see this video <laughs> one day yeah that Thank is you. so yeah, amazing well. so you were annoyed and pained that's how you bought <laughs> your first <laughs> yes your first investment property that's such a good motivator that's nice yeah because you were you were seeing this guy in a florida chilling out enjoying his life although <laughs> Guys, having lived in Florida, I can truly say it's too hot. To I feel like actually Florida may be one of the hottest places in the world. Yeah, you <laughs> to too. actually fully enjoy yourself. <laughs> you know, like I've never experienced such kind of heat and humidity, and I've lived in India. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. I have in Florida, it's it's hectic. So I get it, John. So you got into real estate for the Texas. How did you get your first property? We actually have quite a lot of listeners from the US yeah. and other countries that listen to this podcast. So yeah. can you share, how did you buy your first property? How did you get sure. funding for that? Yeah, so um, I was lucky because I was in um, the the United States military. There's, a, there's something called oh, a VA. Okay. So this is important for any veterans. 
Okay. You can actually buy a property with 0% down. So my I, didn't, goodness. I didn't actually even have to come up with um, my first down payment. And one of the things that's really cool is you can also reuse it. So part of my long-term strategy is you can purchase a property with 0% down, and then you can refinance out of it and reuse that loan again and again. Like, um, so I was very blessed and fortunate in that way. It was easier for me than it is for most to like save up yeah. that down payment. You know, because in Boston, like this, this first property was five hundred forty thousand. So that wow. would have been um, a substantial. Well, you can actually the, the lowest you can go is three and a half percent down with a FHA loan or. Um, okay. Aside uh, okay. from the VA loan, so if you're a veteran, definitely use the VA loan. If you're not, then you can come up with three and a half percent. So that I don't know the math. It would have been something like twenty or twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand, I think doable. It just takes a while to save. So that's the first advice. If you're not a veteran, just get saving liquid cash immediately. Mm. Um, mm. And the, the market is very competitive here. So it started for me with a house, a three family that went for sale right across the house, the street from where I lived. And okay. it, was, it was a very crappy, crummy one. It was like, it was like one of those ones that people had built a million tiny bedrooms into um, to make okay. it kind of into a cash cow, but it was not a nice house. So yeah. my wife wasn't thrilled about living there, um, but we still made a bid. And um, you have to work really, really fast because it's highly competitive. There were probably 20 bids. So that was going for maybe um, 680. So I bid asking price, but yeah. uh, someone bid 700 and beat me. Wow. Oh it's probably, probably worth a million now. Um, um, wow. so, yeah. And then. Wait, um, so the prop, yeah, no, property in Boston is amazing, guys. It's like crazy. It, it appreciates. It like crazy. companies that I've seen that were like 200,000 in 2010 yeah. are now going for like a million dollars in yeah. Boston. It is. Yeah, wow. Expensive. That's amazing. It is. That's amazing. It, the other thing is, most people never ever consider Boston when they think of places to buy. Like they when you're it. outside of the US, it's usually like New York or LA or all those hot places. But Boston is like a center for biotech. Yeah. So they've got mm. a lot of people coming in yep. to work, and the people there are really well paid. Yeah. So, they are. so it drives up the property market. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it not Boston. a university town as well. It is, yeah. Yes, of course. It that is. Too. The, um, Boston is the fifth most expensive place to live in the United States. So if you're oh getting, if you're God. in the United States, yeah. I don't recommend getting into property in Boston because it's no. already at the point. Like when I bought this family for five forty, it cash flowed positively, and it still cash flows very positively. However, it's worth that was in 2017. Now it's worth eight hundred and fifteen thousand. So if I were to sell it, I could probably sell it for eight fifty. But the numbers don't work anymore. Like if someone were to buy it from exactly. me, there's negative exactly. cash flow until yeah. like years from now. So it's actually, from a cash flow perspective, a terrible place to invest. And yeah. in and around Boston, like I'm, I'm having to look in other areas like New Hampshire or, or Worcester, Western Massachusetts, because the things still yeah. cash flow pretty nicely there. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, and there's one other thing I wanted to share about getting your first property. So lost that one. Then I um, bid on another three family and lost that one because the seller didn't want to throw out one of her tenants. So like if I bought it, 
I would, I would occupy one of the units and she felt badly. So she sold it to a pure investor who, who, who like part of the agreement was they would leave the tenants into the, into the properties. And then we bid on another two family, which we fell in love with. It was stunning and had a view of Boston from the master bedroom. Um, But but we got just crushed, you know, like somebody bid 50,000 over asking um, because it's so crazy. And so, yeah, that's happening a lot in various places in the U.S. Like, I have a lot of friends that are coming in, even at a hundred k over asking, yeah, just so that yeah. they can secure the properties. It's yeah. insane. It is. It is. So, then, guys, that's one point five million rand in South Africa over asking that people are willing to pay just okay. to secure a property. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's I easy. Wonder- mm-hmm. It's a little easier with yeah. properties if you're trying to buy a single a single family people are very emotional like they're just like oh yeah. I want a family and that's what happened with this it was basically a single family with a unit underneath it so yeah. when they found out we were bidding over they went crazy and like just <laughs> crushed us and um and then the fourth time was the charm and it was interesting because it was the exact same pattern for that and then the next mm-hmm. property we lost three bids and then when it, when it came to winter time this is key too. find um yeah the dead season and only target the dead season because that's when desperate people sell. <laughs> if, if someone wants to make the most money, they're going to sell in June or July. Cause those are the best peak times. Cause people want to buy a house. They want to put their kids in school in the fall. And oh, so wow. they would wait to do it then. So if somebody's selling the, the dead of winter here, it's beautiful now, but in a couple of months, there's going to be piles of snow all over the ground and it's freezing cold mm-hmm. and no one wants to leave their house. So I got really lucky because what happened with this property that I bought is that the open house was canceled because the buyer was didn't want people tracking snow into her house. You yeah. know, so she so she had an open house in the middle of like January or something. And because it was canceled, I got like a, an exclusive open house. And I'll talk about how that happened in just a moment. So it was yeah. only me and one other person that saw it. And, um, wow. and she, I connected with the buyer, I mean, the seller, which is also unusual. She was there. Yeah. We kind of became friends and that's what had her select us. So there's all these oh. matters of miracle and fate and divine things that happen, at least here in such yeah. an insanely hot market. Um, but it's just about, you know, let your heart be broken and just keep going and going and going and making bids. Like a lot of strategies mm. make a lot of offers. The last thing I'll say is yeah. to only work with the very best realtor. So there's a lot of realtors, right? There's, of course. And, and there's, there's a so big many. Range. Mm. And there's so many terrible realtors. There's so many of them. <laughs> like they're awful. Like <laughs> they just do a few sales. They'll show up late, disheveled, and they're not organized. And then there's some realtors who are the top 1%. So like every yeah. city has one realtor who's the king of, of mm-hmm. all the real estate. Everyone goes yeah. to them. They're the best. They're highly organized. They have great teams and they're number one because they win the most deals. Yeah. So I would say only work with that person. Like don't pick and don't pick your friend or your aunt because they're a realtor. Look for like, <laughs> who's the, who's the number one person, like the best, highest performing person yeah. and, mm. and just work with them because guess what? They're the ones winning all the deals and everyone else is losing them. So because I had a fantastic realtor whose name is David Ladner, a little plug, he's in Malden. Yeah. He was, 
he was a- he's very aggressive so he was able to keep calling the seller over and over to demand like a private open house and so, okay. <laughs> so we got scheduled and that's how oh my gosh he demanded a private open house from the yeah seller? yes that is yeah. how you do it i like what you're saying about there are so many so many real estate agents and then there's the real estate agent yes. because mm. I'm probably one of those bad ones. I'm just so <laughs> I am so busy. <laughs> I am I am a busy real estate agent, and p- purely because really my mind is not on real estate. And as 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 a selling point, I did this because I wanted to do the course. So I'm just one of those like, oh, okay, should we sell? Oh, okay, maybe I'll do this thing. You're doing it and as a hobby. It's a hobby. Yeah. So I I yeah. dip in and out, and you know, like, so I know what you mean. So yeah, yeah, the other ninety nine percent. That's me. That's me. <laughs> that's okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, but but you've got it. You there are people who just know how to speak yeah. the speak, okay? Oh, yeah. And they yeah. walk the walk. And there are people like that who inspire me. And in our agency, there's a whole range of people at different ages. And you'll yeah. find this city, and, and they are motiv- our motivations are different. So right. I mm. really, really, and, and when you speak about this David guy, that, that, that is your realtor, that's exactly, he's got a different motivation because for me, day to day, the bacon is not bought by real estate agent, being an agent. Right. I, mm. I perform the way I perform. So I, I, I really yeah. like what you just said. It's so amazing. Wow. No, yeah. I think it is, it is actually quite, I like, all that what you said and also about the dead season so i get that like i get that um the times when people don't want to sell or are not interested in doing things or um look they just want to be home i don't know maybe winter is also our dead season i don't know Um, yeah no it is it absolutely is I know for a fact, like I, I limited movements when I was here in winter because it was cold. But yep. so, yep. John, I love what you've just all the uh, advice that you gave us. Please, can you go in a little bit more in depth on that first deal? So you guys put in three, you put in four offers to purchase, you get the fourth offer. What was the house like? What are some of the changes that you needed to make? Did it positive? Yeah. Did it cash flow positively from day one, or yeah. did you have to make some shifts? Can you talk? Yeah, to us yeah, about great it? question. So, I was really lucky. I think for a first property, you should find someone like this uh, seller who was like almost like neurotic about <laughs> everything being perfectly clean, perfectly impeccable, perfectly maintained. So, a lot of the houses you walk into in Boston, there's obvious problems. But hers was the opposite. It just was like, it was immaculate. And I really recommend, even if you have to pay more for your first property, buy like one that's together versus like a nightmare of a construction property. Because that's a whole other, you're just learning how to be a a, a landlord and you're learning a lot in your first property. So find something, you know, that's turnkey, at least for the first one. And then once you get your feet under, you can find like a, a flip or like, you know, something that's going to have a lot of problems. So the answer is yes, it, while living there, um, you know, it covered the entire mortgage immediately. 
Wow. And, um, and then when we moved out and bought another property, now it cash flows really nicely, very positively. Um, Mm. And that's, you know, it's just awesome to have kind of, you know, mailbox money, just money co- that comes in every single month, you know, I know. never had any issues. Um, so sweet. And uh, the only improvement I made, and this is something to consider too, is it was all <laughs> one bedrooms, which is what made other people not as interested in it because they're like, oh, it's all one beds. You know, I'm not going to make that much money. But when you walk into it, you're like, this was probably a two bedroom and somebody opened it up. And you could easily build a second bedroom in here. So I did that in the first two units. I built an additional bedroom and then you could, and then I could charge about, <clears throat> so I paid that, co- they each cost about 3000, but yeah. I could charge like 250 or 300 more a month in rent. Whoa. So it paid off in only 10 months. That's something to consider. Too. Yeah. When you're like. making improvements. So Are I'm, you serious? You paid off the property in 10 months? No, 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 no. Just these bedrooms. So like oh, I, okay. so I paid 3000 to build an extra bedroom. Oh, and then okay. after only 10 months of increased rent, it had paid for itself. Oh, um, wow. So that's some, that's the best improvement is like, can you build more bedrooms? Cause more bedrooms means you can charge more rents. Um, and then, you know, honestly, I haven't really done any other improvements aside from just basic maintenance. I know I, I, I did, I gutted a bathroom and that's nice okay. too. Like if people have a brand new bathroom, they, these tenants were really excited about it. Um, and, um, but that's, that's yeah. almost that's pretty much it. Oh my God. I like that. So, so John, have you, and how did you move from the first property to the second investment property? Yep. Did you refinance on this one, remortgage or? How did you go from Yeah, that yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, the cool thing about Boston is it appreciates so fast. So I bought it in yeah. 2017. And like a year later, it was worth, you know, pro- probably like close to $100,000 more. Nice. That's one of my favorite things about real estate is you be- you can become mm-hmm. wealthy really fast by not doing anything. Yeah. Just po- yeah. just picking things in the right neighborhoods that are mm-hmm. that are coming up. And then, so what I did is I used a HELOC, it's a, uh, which stands for home equity line of credit. So yeah. there's a bank, there was a bank that would allow me to borrow against the difference. So if I, if I owed five, oh, okay. you know, six, six forty, what I did was I used a home equity line of credit <clears throat> to borrow, I think 33,000 yeah. of equity. And then that became the down payment for the next house. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is if you're in an appreciating area, you can yeah. do that over and over and over again forever. Um, and you can, yeah. So it's a nice kind of easy strategy. Um, it yeah. is. It is. And you didn't take out the whole hundred thousand. That's the other thing. So you don't go and raise yeah. the, the, your loan or your debt with, with yeah. a significant mm-hmm. amount. Yeah. That yes. is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole <laughs> other areas. Like ha- like, you know, how much equity do you have versus cash flow? How do you take the equity of the houses to buy more houses? Like, and then mm-hmm. and the, the best thing is once you get in, you, you have a lot of options. Like once you're, you have yeah. the first property, you can, you really can do this forever. Like I know plenty of people that have, you know, 90 units, you know, hundred units, and they've just done this over and over and over again. And, yeah. um, you know, you can, it's my retirement strategy. Like my plan is just to have enough properties that, I can sit on a beach and not have to work and just have all my, (laughs) (laughs) 
Be we your, like your landlord. Be like your first landlord. <laughs> we like yeah. your first landlord. We really landlord. like you. <laughs> yeah. You've given yeah. you've given us so much. So um so so John, what would you say about um relationships and real estate? Um is it something that has worked for you in your strategies? Have you found found that real estate and relationships are almost the same thing? How how what what tribe have you got that helps you find these properties? Yeah, that's a it's such a great question. Um, you know, the thing I would say is the same thing about the to find the top one percent performers, top one yeah. percent mortgage people, top one percent you know contractors who do the do the construction top one percent there's always kind of like <clears throat> someone who's really stands out and the reason mm. you only want to work with them is their speed you know it's not just the quality it's the speed because mm -hmm. things move so quickly you know like i would text my mortgage like i'd be at an open house i'd text my mortgage guy like on sunday morning and i'm like send me a pre-approval and i'd have it within an hour you know yes. and wow. and you, you actually kind of need that if you're going to be winning bids. Um, so that's the key is like building a, a team of top 1% performers. Mm -hmm. And I found all these people in a BNI group, actually not exclusively, but there's a group called um, BNI Business Network International. I don't know if they have it in South oh, Africa. Oh, yeah. No. I, What's BNI? Tell us, tell our listeners. Business Network International. They must have it. Like I thought, like I remembered I when I got to South do. Africa, I looked for BNI in Joburg. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. I, I recommend considering it if you're a business owner. It's basically a group that meets once a week and everyone refers business to each other. So like if, okay. if all of us were in it, I would sit down with with Van and I would say, you know, tell me about your business. How what are your like ideal clients? Like what can I be listening for to send people to you? And then she would tell me. And then I would send her clients and then she would do the same with me. And then, you know, so, so what you. happens is everything's tracked. So there's a lot of business that's getting packed. Like in, in the United States, it's like millions of dollars of business that's getting passed a year between yeah. people. And it tends to attract high performing types, like people who are serious about their business and, you know, they want to invest, they want to grow, they want to scale. So I found a lot of these folks within that group and then they all work together. So like, instead of yes. me having to find a mortgage guy and a lawyer and a insurance guy, they all work together and they have like a kind of a, yes. a process. So once you're yes. in, it's like you passed to the next person. So it makes it easier to have kind of a whole group. Um, and then, um, yeah, you know, it, everything's relationships. So no. one of the strategies here in the United States is to write a personal letter to the, to the seller, you know, to okay. like, try to get to know them or, you know, um, <clears throat> tell them about yourself or what your goals are, or your family, because you're trying to establish a relationship with them that would have them select you over the other 10 offers they have, you know, <laughs> that's a strategy people use here. Um, oh, that's awesome. Never heard of that. Yeah, yeah right. I've written many letters when I was, when I had the Remax <laughs> franchise. Oh, don't remind me of my past. <laughs> it's not fun. Mm -hmm. I will say um, the U.S. market is different to South Africa because in the U.S., as a buyer, you need your own real estate agent. As a seller, you need a real estate agent. So as a buyer, 
you have to be represented as well. So you pay your real estate agent a fee as well. So whereas in South Africa, as a buyer, you just deal directly with the real estate, with the seller's real estate agent or with the seller. In the US, you do need a real estate agent. They are buyer real estate agents and they are seller real estate agents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't need them, but most people use them. It's a good idea if you're starting out because they're more knowledgeable than you. But, you know, once you once you understand real estate, plenty of folks don't use real estate agents, especially sellers. Like if they know real Mm -hmm. estate and they know business, they'd rather not pay the five percent commission because that's huge money. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So, um, John, what did you do? So you took the thirty three thousand dollars in equity. Mm -hmm. And you used it for the down payment for your next property. What was your next property? So now you've had experience with this three-unit property. You've got tenants. You're living there and you're house hacking. Did you decide to move properties or was this a purely investment property? It was um, It was mostly prompted actually by the birth of our daughter because we oh, were living okay. in one of the one-bedroom units. And so mm-hmm. you know, my wife's, of course, like, we need more room. And I'm like, okay, let's, you know, let's keep expanding our real estate property. So we had mutual interests and it was really okay. similar. We, we bid three times um, on all these multifamilies because oh part of it is like, you know, I, I really wanted to buy another multifamily and uh, you know, more heartbreak and, and, uh, and then it was the same. It was, it's remarkably similar dead of winter. You know, it was like February. So somebody's desperate right. to sell. And um it's actually a single family, which is something I still regret. I bought it because it could easily be subdivided into two units. Unit. So, okay. and, we, and we, our daughter was about to be born. So we had this like time pressure. So like I couldn't okay. keep trying to find um, multifamilies because multifamilies are so competitive here. Um, okay. So what I did was I bought this single family. It's a really nice unit. You know, it's got all these mature trees it's on the end of a cul-de-sac and everyone in the neighborhood has young kids so it ended up a blessing from that part so what i did because i'm entrepreneurial is i airbnb'd the whole second lower unit because it has a separate bathroom separate entrance two bedrooms and so i was i was was airbnb it for about a year and that was a lot like having the rental income even though it's a single family so that's something to consider too um, okay. and then recently I got a, a daycare license, so I'm going to run a, what? yeah, I'm going to run a daycare. John. Of, uh, <laughs> you is, are kidding me, John. Nope. I am not kidding. It's guys, very like, lucrative. You want to know numbers? In daycare the, in, is huge in the U S guys. If you want to make money, daycare is it. Each, yeah. each kid pays $2,000 a month. I know because no. I'm yes. paying it for my daughter to go to a Montessori school. And it's painful. So again, like as an entrepreneur, it's it's always pain that drives me. I don't want to be yeah. on that side of the equation. I don't want yeah. to be the one paying $2,000 a month for two kids. Yeah. I want people yeah. to pay me $2,000 a month and be awesome. on, on the receiving side of the equation, just like how yeah. I was so annoyed about paying rent checks. Um, so that's about <laughs> to get opened. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful area for kids. Like it's already been you know, prepared to be a daycare and we can have up to six kids in the beginning and then eventually expand to 10. <clears throat> Absolutely. Wow. So, and it's, so you said, it's in a, sorry, Ben. So you said it's in a cul-de-sac. It's nice and safe. It's an easy drive. 
for, for, for parents to drop off. And yeah. what else, what, what else is there for that, that, that speaks for that place? Oh my goodness. John. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, it's, it has a big, uh, amount of land, like all these trees and okay. this hill and rocks. It's like, cause my vision is it's called, um, Oak Haven nature school. And my vision is okay. that instead of in the United States where kids are inside all day, I want them to spend as much time in nature as possible yeah. because it's so healthy. And I've noticed, you know, kids start to get really anxious inside, but as soon as you bring they them outside, do. they just totally relax. They're like, my, my daughter will play with her water table here and just like go into like a trance, like just like being outside playing with water <laughs> for hours, you know? And um, I think it's just so. the most natural way for children to learn is through playing in nature. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things. And then the whole indoors is very nature themed. And uh, yeah, so that's one of the really? unique differentiators, um, which is that's good for COVID. Uh, There's a lot of parents. So you guys are charging $2,000 a kid. $2,000 a kid, yeah. guys. Yo. Yo, okay. John, <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> so there's so all this to say, even if you get trapped into buying a single family, there are creative ways to still make it into a make it into you know what the issue is john what do you say then to someone um what i've heard my counterpart say is you know miranda i like my privacy and i've got my own standard answer that i keep giving them what's your answer to someone who says what now i'll be entering at the same gate with a tenant oh yeah. no well it's the same yeah. as an apartment building Right. You know, like if you're in an apartment building, you have your own apartment, but the other person has their own apartment. What John's talking about is that you have a separate entrance and the other person has a separate entrance. I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there are plenty of people that just think they just think that way, like different values, like people mm -hmm. who value privacy or the, you know, everyone always says like, oh, I don't have to like want to worry about tenant problems and things. And then there are people who value building wealth and are willing to Thank sacrifice you. something like privacy. And Thank those are your you. clients, like, cause it's hard to yeah. change your minds. I mean, I've tried and I'm like, so you realize you could be like a multimillionaire in like 10 years pretty easily if you were to follow the strategy. And, but some people don't care. They just don't, it's not yeah. what motivates them. And, um, yeah. this is true. And it's so true. then if you, but if you value, you know, wealth and entrepreneurship and tax benefits and things, you have no problem having tenants. And the reality is mm -hmm. my tenants, it's like an hour a month of stuff on average that I have to manage. And, and other than that, like, you know, an important thing is to do a really good job screening tenants to make sure you have yeah. people that are low maintenance. Um, yeah. <laughs> and pay. That's true. Um, you know, and that's easier to do in higher demand areas. But as long as you do that, it doesn't really doesn't cause much issues. I mean, it's no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. That's that's what I keep saying. When 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 I get asked, I just say, well, you know, I don't know about privacy when I'm living beyond my means. So that's that's why house hacking would make sense. And all of us started somewhere. When you, when I remember it that how many people slept in the same room as me who didn't have accommodation. So house hacking has always been there. 
Yeah. We've mm. always been house hacking. You always had an extra cousin that came to your house and there were three of you in a single bed one time or another. So you've yeah, been right. house hacking Good all point. your life. So if it makes you money, here's yeah. an added benefit. Yeah. And there's, there's properties around here, like friends of ours bought one right down the street that's just two houses on one property. So they actually have both. Wow. They have total privacy in their own single house. And then the previous owner had built a whole second house and then they have tenants in there. So there's, mm. there's, there's, there's always ways to have it all. Like if you get clear That's on what your true. interests are. That's true. There's, there might yeah. not be as many properties like that, but they're out there or you can, you can buy one and build a second house on it. You know, there's a lot of mm. possibility. Mm. Totally. Totally. Good point. I have, I, I have come to value my, 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 my privacy with wealth at the top. So I, I really like what you said there. Then yeah. do you want to ask John, see, he, he just packed up all the stuff all in one, just like that. I really like yeah. how he does it. Yeah. So let's actually, we're going to quickly move on. Like I want to find out about the next, if you have another property, John, did you get the third property? No, not yet. So, okay. so and this is actually a cautionary tale. So I remember <laughs> when I was buying this property, right. at one point my realtor was like, you sure you can afford this? And at the time I could. So I was like, yeah, I can afford this. But then what happened is I took another job and I just was making like, gosh, like literally making two thirds as much money, sometimes down to half as much money. So what wow. happened was I couldn't afford it. So then I have had to, I had to use a home equity line of credit just to pay both mortgages. It was horribly stressful. Um, that's so yeah, that's stressful. and that was because between the Airbnb and the daycare, the Airbnb got shut down. So something unexpected happened, which is the town, you know, was like, oh, you can't Airbnb in a single family. So all of a sudden I lost that cash flow. Wow. And then I and then what? I was just stuck with a single family home. What happened with that? You guys what just is that about? Because South Africa is also clamping like there's other yeah. places in especially Johannesburg, I wanna say. Like I wanna yeah. point this out. <laughs> but I hear it's happening everywhere, but I've experienced yeah. it in Johannesburg. Yeah. Well, people are clamping down on Airbnb here yeah. as well. Yeah, they are. A lot of cities don't like it. You know, this guy mentioned because, you know, people would rent houses and just have these huge parties and like terrorize the neighbors. And one of my neighbors complained because, you know, they're like, oh, this is a cul-de-sac and you always have these strangers going in and out all the time. Oh, um, and so I could have fought it. I talked to a lawyer and he laughed like at their <laughs> vague ordinance. I could have fought it, but I was afraid to make enemies out of the city inspectors because if you do that, they okay. can make your life, they can punish you. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, right. they can make your life very difficult. Um, I guess politicians in every country are, are the same in every country. Right? <laughs> yeah. And they all talk to each other. So if you're on the naughty list, it's like you, I just was like really afraid to do that. So I, I didn't fight it. And I was like, Oh, I'll switch to a day daycare, which has been harder to open than I thought. It's been harder to hire somebody to run it, but I finally found someone. So. Oh, nice. And, um, okay. And so, uh, yeah, so I kind of got trapped because then I was, it was nice because my equity, my, my wealth and my equity was still rising, but I had to go into debt to pay mortgages. So it wasn't as much as it would have been. And so the third property has been annoyingly delayed because my plan yeah. is like to buy a property every year or two. 
but now we've been in this one for three years. So what I'm doing is stabilizing my cash flow, getting the daycare open and building my other business. And then the second I have sufficient. Ooh, I like what you've just said. Hey, I feel like mm. that's so critical. Yeah. Stabilizing your cash flow. Yeah. Mm. Right now it's, you know, I have this business some months it's wildly successful making tons of money and then some months it's not. So what I'm doing now is working on getting everything to be consistent, like consistent enough to pay all the expenses. Mm -hmm. And then the moment that happens, yeah, I'm going to be eager to buy a property. I actually tried to buy one last summer that was a retreat center. Um, and, yeah, We've spoken about this retreat center, yeah. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I, well, and, and what I did was I was trying to find like hard money or like a private investor instead of yeah. using um, but they always, they all wanted 10%, which was hard. Again, it was hard for me to stomach that because mm. it, that was like $500,000 over a five year period. And so I decided to, to pause and delay, okay. um, and, 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 you know, stabilize cash flow in order to buy it a more traditional way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So this, this sounds like, this sounds like the previous episode we had, no, not the previous Episode ninety eight, I think, the guy that that does cash, 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 and then buys a party. Quite a very, very, very good episode. So that is yeah. such a critical thing. And thank you for sharing that story about the Airbnb because that means it was a significant amount of money, and the loss of that income meant you yeah. have to retreat and retract. I tell my mentees all the time that things will happen to you in property. It doesn't mean the business has failed, right? Mm -hmm. Just certain things or the one strategy needs to be revised. Mm -hmm. And that's why in the mentorship, we teach you different things so that you can pull up a trick out of your head right. and you, yeah. can, you can still stay in real estate. So this is such a critical thing. Yeah. And that's a risk. You just have to consider the risk that Absolutely. even if the city's okay with Airbnb, they can, they can shut it down. Yeah. Some, some more than wow. others. Um, like Boston hates Airbnb because all these investors were buying whole apartment buildings and, and doing them all Airbnb. But then the people who want to mm -hmm. live in Boston couldn't even live in Boston because there's no, yes. there's a major housing problem. That's why the things appreciate so wildly. So they, they just yeah. shut it down. They're like, you're not allowed to Airbnb unless you live in the property. Um, so yeah, different cities that that's something to consider is like, like in hindsight, honestly, I, I really wish that I had, as much as I love this house, I wish that I had waited to buy another multifamily. Okay. Mm. Single families, unlike the tax benefits of multifamilies, they have none. They have so like none. You can, write things off, you can write off your capital gains when you sell it, but like day to day, yeah. month to month, it's so horrible. Like there's no there's no protection. So you're paying all this yeah. money and you're not getting the tax benefits and you're not getting the cash flow. So again, cautionary tale, whatever you do, don't buy a single family. Just stick with, <laughs> stick with multifamily. No, I'm, I'm talking about that's our no. here. On this we are like, listen, <laughs> we whatever you do, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's someone who listens to this podcast ardently and she moved you know, she moved out of Century and she was like, what am I doing in a three-bed apartment that does nothing? Instantly acquired a house with six tenants. And the nice. first thing that she did was to open a different entrance. 
for her for her talent and she's like yeah. peace of mind oh my god peace of mind but this is the thing she lives mm -hmm. on a bigger property more space for the kids yes. but all of those people are paying her mortgage yes her, mm -hmm. her rates and taxes and then she doesn't have the homeowners association to deal with in the annoying yes. complexes so she's got more than more than she's got a fence around the property two gates two separate gates suddenly the kids can ride their bicycles wherever they want to wow Guys, this is amazing i am so glad to set that zone. <laughs> no john we were right there with you on single families and not having those texts horrible yeah so the good news I about this one is I can I can subdivide this into a two family as our exit strategy. So like when yeah. I buy the next property, I'll work with the town to build this into two units and then it'll be a nice it'll still be a nice rental property in my portfolio. But mm. my wife doesn't want to do that while we live here. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. She's oh my god, yeah. too many contractors on site. Well, yeah. I'm good. I'm I'm yeah, like I'm full as geez. well. This I, is I, this has been such a great episode, and I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to say like one of the things that I'm noticing about Airbnb is the complaints around parting tend to be the same complaints that are happening in Johannesburg. In Johannesburg, that's why people don't want Airbnb because of the parting factor. Yeah. It is so disheartening, especially for someone who lives like me, who has spent years living in Airbnb. In Airbnb, you know, and yeah. I've never had a party at an Airbnb ever. That's it. Yeah, ever. <laughs> yeah. So when I hear this, it's so distressing. I wish, like, guests listening to the show, guys, please don't ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. Also. Well, this I is think how some of us travel and live. Strategically, if you're going to buy a property at Airbnb, get one with a bunch of small units and small bedrooms that can't host a party. <laughs> and then you get, you know. No, John, what are well, you talking about? Well behaved people, people will party. Remember at university, guys, we would party yeah, in a single. <laughs> <laughs> there would be 50 yeah. of us in there. We don't care about breathing and not breathing into each other. Oh, my goodness. That's true. Anyhow, oh. <clears throat> yeah, it's basically. Yeah, I am full as well. Let's move on to the next segment. On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. So guys, welcome to Magical Feedback. Misa is going to start us off. Mm, I like this. I've got 11 takeaways. How much time have you got then? <laughs> We only have time for three results, thankfully. <laughs> oh, this kills me, people. So in case you didn't get it, John spoke about something. He says, he says when people buy a family house, they, they are normally emotional. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that he keeps saying. And he says, whatever you do, reconsider when you are buying a single family house. Mm -hmm. There are so many ways of making money. Reconsider that decision of that big, 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 big house mm -hmm. where you are only going to live with your family. So when you are interested in wealth creation, please, single house, think about it smartly. I really like that. Mm -hmm. 
It's such a beautiful takeaway. I mm. mean, it just makes a lot of sense, right? We've it heard it on this podcast over and over again about people talking yeah. about even if you get a single house, make sure that it's got enough yard space so that you can build more back rooms in the back so that the house yeah. can make money. So yeah. it's interesting that this is kind of like a thing that comes up consistently across yeah. the board. It's kind of like it seems to be one of those general real estate investor. Investor. Yeah, no, that's what we learn. That's what we learn. What's your number one, then? My number one is how John kept saying work with the top 1% realtors in the industry. Yeah. Right, like, and this is you, me. So you keep talking yeah. about this. You always say yeah. there's real estateers and there's real estate, there's real estate agents, and then there's real estate agents. There's, yeah. there's mortgage originators, and then there's mortgage originators. Yeah. So I think that that is so so crucial. So it if is. you're going to have a team and have a team made up of all these people, make sure that your team is the best, right? You want a team that delivers, delivers on time, works really well, um, and is super fast. I guess um, that's super, super important as well. I guess that's also another takeaway, but I'll expand on that later. Yeah, <laughs> that is such an important thing when you say your team and a team that sees you and sees your yes. business and they actually pay attention yes. to your business, right? So they Ooh. understand how important it is for you to put in that offer mm. and come back to you so that you can actually get that offer. So like, yeah. I, you know, we, you and that I speak so about this all the time. About. Mm-hmm. They see they you see and they you. see your business. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I cannot stress how important that is. That is such an important thing. Yeah. So... My next takeaway, because I'm a property mentor, I get excited when someone does this. <laughs> I get so excited. You have no idea. I wrote three little blobs about what he was talking about. Did you see how John bought a house, uh, bought three units, and mm. um, he was house hacking from the get-go, right? Yes. The second property he goes to it, he again buys a multifamily where he gets there mm. and does an Airbnb. Now he's got an a license for a kindergarten, right? Yes. So what has this person done? He has done three different mm. property investing strategies, right? Yeah. There is there, there are so many strategies. Every one of us have got our own mm. poison. So pick a poison. Don't listen to people who tell you that student accommodation is so hard. There's something else that you can do. Don lost his income in the Airbnb because his neighbors were complaining. He shut that down, but he's commercialized the house now. He got a license for a Montessori school. How cool is that? How cool? And look around your property. He looked around the property and he's like, it's got trees. It's gorgeous. Mm. Kids can spend time outside. And Montessori really works with kids working with their yeah. bodies outside. I like that. I mean, the, the, the pivoting wow. and just responding to the type of property he's living in. So look around your property. Yeah. Go find the gold mine in there. He has found his. What's yours? Like that it. is so incredible. I love that takeaway, Nizal. Yeah. Um, 
My second takeaway comes back to the first takeaway that I was talking about, which was, you know what, what John said, and also having spoken to so many of my friends in different parts of the US market, it really is crazy how people are offering, like I have friends that are putting in offers at like 100,000 US dollars above asking price, you know? So the importance of understanding the market that you're working with, like, is there a huge demand for housing? And that things move fast. Like literally people will tell me, just like John said, like you wanna, you talk to a seller now, in the next hour, the house has been sold. You know, someone else just put an offer within five minutes or they get like, 10 offers in an hour. It's actually so ridiculous. So understanding the market that you're working with, and if you're going to go into certain markets, really understanding how things happen in terms of fast paced, in terms of how fast paced they are. And also understanding the seller, because Miso knows I've been selling my property in Berea. I renovated it, sold it. I'm making a profit from it. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Uh, I'm like, this is good. Um, And I'm going to be investing in the wealthy ones, property stock file, the the money from that, which you guys will hear about in episode 101. 101, Uh, yeah. Why I'm bringing this up is because I have been the seller. Like now that I'm talking with the buyer, I am so relaxed. In fact, I hate fast-paced anything. So it has taken as long as it takes for us to sign the OTP. We've signed the OTP as everything is happening. I'm like, chill, 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 right? So also understanding the seller and who you're dealing with will make all the difference in the world. In fact, if someone was rushing me as the seller, I'd probably have pulled out of this deal. But because I had time and I work at a, I'm extremely slow, you guys. I work at a very chilled pace. So this is why this has been so easy for me and it feels like I can breathe. So really understanding your market, understanding your seller and uh, the, uh, so that you understand the pace at which the deal will happen is super important. It is such an important takeaway that it is such an important takeaway i'm going to choose another one that is so mentorship uh, related this is what i speak to mentees about all the time please watch how a property investor goes about this he kept saying make the bids put Mm -hmm. that bid in that means offer to buy and just because you've offered to buy doesn't mean you are buying or that property is going to be yours he gave mm. us tip number two as, as property investors, target the dead season. South Africans, mm. winter, June, July. June, July, the only people who are selling are people who absolutely have to get out, get out, get out of that business. So you get mm. good deals in June and July. People who are relaxed and they still want their business will not sell at that time. And he makes a good point about connecting with the owner you have a better chance sometimes mm. because the agent will go and, you know, True. they choose their own ways because they are looking for their commission, especially the realtors mm. who don't understand that they just need to make sales and you make sales, but by being honest as well, don't will and deal yeah. with people's money. You are making sales and that's what you need to do. So John is such an investor. He's very clear about what he does. All right. 
What's your number three? I really, really love that, Mizo, what you've just said, hey? Yeah. I, until John even mentioned that, I just thought people bought property at all times and sold at all times. I'm sorry. Like, I just, I just never would have thought of that. But obviously, everything in life has seasons. Seasons. You know, like, it is such a fact. It's one of the things, you know? Yeah. Um, my final takeaway, and as an entrepreneur, I just want to say this is so critical, was what John said about he had to, over the, he wanted to buy the third property like at least three years ago. And it hasn't quite happened. Why? Because he has now pulled back to regroup and to just sort out cash flow and stabilize cash flow. That's right. So, so important as an entrepreneur. It's also, I think it's such a key thing is that you don't, and he talks a lot about how stressful that is, uh, how stressful it is not to have a consistent stream of income and not to be able to know how things are going all the time in business and then to also have to pay mortgages. I think that you need to be aware of how much stress you can take on. Like, I definitely know I hate any kind of stress. You already know that, you guys already know, I don't like things being done fast-paced. You can imagine any kind of stress just puts me off everything. Everything. (laughs) I really, really understand this. And I love it because... What he's showing us is that just because something is taking long to happen doesn't mean it will never happen. It's yeah. like now when he has regrouped and he's stabilized and he's built this new business because now he's got the daycare, he's got the real estate, and then he's got his healing business. Once that is sorted and these things, these factors are stable, there's a strong foundation from which he can just bounce and build his Build. real estate portfolio, yeah. which is so powerful. It so is such really, a powerful really thing. that he said that. It is. It is. It is. And, and, and property requires you to have cash flow. So mm. only buy properties that have got cash flow so that when things get yeah. stuck, you can get unstuck, you know, yes. easily. And you can get yourself unstuck. And if mm. the cash flow doesn't come from you, you're going to get to, to need cash from someone. Such an important yeah. takeaway just as a business owner as well. So, guys, yeah. I have 11 takeaways, but, you know, <laughs> time. <laughs> time. So share your takeaways with us especially um, everyone that listens on Spotify, on Podbean, or on iTunes. Please leave us a review. This is your time. Tell us what you learned from it. Yes, please do, guys. And now let's move on to the next segment of the show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest so property magicians we're journey to magical expansion and Misa is going to start us off as usual yeah this is my favorite part of the show john so john tell me if you are a book reader have you got one book that you can share with us that changed your life it can be in entrepreneurship it can be business can be real estate which i love and i don't know opening of daycare center, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a reader. I've probably read at least a thousand books. Um, good. <laughs> and um, gosh, the most life changing one. Mm. You know, I, I'll answer just two. You know, um, yeah. okay. one of the most life changing ones was to read Rich Dad Poor Dad at a young okay. age. Um, okay. Because it got me thinking about how to build wealth. It got me excited about entrepreneurship. It taught me a lot about, you know, just like how do you build wealth, which is kind of countercultural. Um, and that kind of set me on this whole propulsion of reading a ton of business books about entrepreneurship, real estate, et cetera. But the other whole aspect of me is, is deeply spiritual. And I would say yeah. the other most life-changing book was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yes. You know, just talking Ooh. about consciousness. I've read that eight or nine times. Me too. It, it profoundly <laughs> impacted me. Um, yeah. So I always think about it like inner game, outer game. And if you look at my thousand books I've read, it's like 50% of them are like business, wealth, entrepreneurship. And 50% of them are like spirituality, spirituality. Buddhism, yeah. Hinduism, you know, and so... Because to me, I have strong needs for both. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. I like that. I really, really awesomely like that because we do yeah. tend to think that people who are spiritual shouldn't be rich. And, you know, yeah. there's something about, something about how much we want to give back. And yeah. I think I'm going to be a better person giving back when I'm really rich because the stuff that I want to do is build a Montessori crash, right? Oh, yeah. I just yeah. remember that Montessori. I love Montessori. I love Montessori. My daughter went to a Montessori. It is the most amazing natural way of bringing up kids, right? Yeah. Awesome. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. You guys almost, almost make me want to uh, do the mommy gig. Not yet. Uh, come on. <laughs> we'll know when you're ready. <laughs> it will let us know when you're ready. We, we have the manuals for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll come to you guys when, when I'm ready. <laughs> uh, John, what keeps you inspired? Um, <clears throat> you know, similarly, I... Well, it's the same thing. Like the biggest thing is reading what I call spiritually nourishing books every day, you know, mm -hmm. like books that do talk about a deeper context in life. You know, they tend to be religious books or, you know, uh, books mm -hmm. about Buddhism, mm -hmm. you know, but it's not, it's just like um, books about the bigger picture. And that keeps me inspired because mm -hmm. then I, it keeps me out of my ego and fears and, you know, all those kind of smaller parts of myself. But I also get really inspired reading business books too. So mm -hmm. I think for me, it's important to have a steady stream of both. It's like nourishment. It's like food. Like every day I eat spiritual books and business books. Like nourishment. And that, yeah, mm -hmm. and that really inspires my spirit. Mm. Mm. Mm, like that. And what do you wish you had known before embarking on your property investment journey? What do you look back on and think, damn, I should have known that? Honestly, and I think this is the same for a lot of people. It's just that I wish I had started earlier. That's because <clears throat> I could have bought a property during the crash. I was a veteran back in 2009, 2010, when all the properties right. were dirt cheap. And if I, had, yeah. if I had gotten focused on making enough money to qualify for a loan, I could have started getting into real estate. Absolutely. Eight, seven or eight years earlier, and I would have been so much wealthier and more successful. I know. Now. So that's not, it's not, I think I did things 
fine. And I talked about the regret of the single family, but you know, I'm, I'm yeah. rectifying that. I just would have started earlier. And that's my okay. best advice for anyone. Don't wait. Yeah. Get Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. I get you. Actually, that's when you and I got to know each other. And I was yeah. actually already in going to real estate seminars in real estate. Mm. But I think mm. like it would take me another 10 years to even think real estate. Yeah. I think also the way that people made real estate sound even then, because I didn't know bigger pockets, it was very high tech. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. It's always i think that's always been the struggle is that now that we yeah. are in real estate we're like oh my god this is not as high tech as people know yeah. but when you're the uh, when you're on the outside looking in it seems so difficult you yeah, know totally so this is why totally. as misa likes to point out this is why this uh podcast exists yeah yeah it's so, actually pretty it's super easy it's low it tech. is it's, it's very low tech high yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, John, what do you think you still need to learn in real estate or business? Uh, what was it? I missed the question. What do you still need to learn in real estate oh. or business? Um, um, that's a great question. I think one of the things I need to learn is to be more conservative in terms of cash flow, because I tend to be idealistic. Like I, I, I tend to be like one of those people and, and a lot of people look down on me because I'm like, just for believing in something called appreciation, which more conservative investors call uh, superstition. Yeah. <laughs> around, okay, does this thing cash flow properly? Do I have sufficient, you know, reserves to cover any risks? Like, I guess it would be to approach properties that way instead of in a best case scenario, because that has really come back to bite me <laughs> a few times. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm still learning about how to run like a, a bigger business. So, like my, my business, yeah. I started, it was only me for just maybe three or four months. And then I started hiring 1099 contractors, one of which mm -hmm. was Van's friend. Um, to, uh, she's actually one of the clients. She's a Money Magic student. Do you guys know her, Polite? Polite. So I introduced, oh, I introduced yeah. John and Polite. <laughs> and, and they are doing he's things. She's not one of his coaches. She works with him. Wow. Yeah, so she, uh, yeah, she's been fantastic. Thank you, Van. And uh, I've hired <laughs> yes, a bunch yes. of other folks. So, you know, I've had to learn the hard way about how do you, how do you manage people and run the business and you know mm. like for me run my own coaching practice and stabilize the business and you know so it's i'm 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 in a very much learning stretch now because i've never built a business mm. this big this fast okay and so i constantly feel this sort of um tension of what i'm learning as i go so you know just things like bookkeeping and doing a good job like managing expenses like i tend to be messy I tend to be sort yeah. of a messy, you know, mm -hmm. crazy scientist, CEO type who can't put his pants on straight. So it's like learning how to put my pants on straight in all these small ways that make running a business a little more clean and sustainable. Awesome. 
awesome. Such a good thing to share, John, because yeah, I'm 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 the same. I'm I'm messy with admin. And once you know what you don't know how to do, then you find someone else to do yeah. and you just submit and forget about that. I'm I'm very messy. I, I have shoe boxes and I just put stuff in there so that someone else can sort it out. I don't, it's not my favorite part of business, right? So yeah, that's yeah, good. It's good to know what office. you don't know. Yeah. I'm no, very, you, you, it's funny. People would think that I am messy because I'm all over the place and yeah. I'm spiritual and I travel, but I'm very systemic. I've got a very systemic brain. Hmm. So nice. it's like, I get yeah. very, like I love to work freely, chilled out, but I need to have things in the correct order. Even my wallet is organized in a particular yeah. manner. Yeah. My files on my computer, my Google Drive, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So John, last question, oh no, before last question, what property resource do you want to share with our listeners and you're not allowed? share bigger pockets it can be a book a podcast a youtube my favorite real estate book is um is by gary keller who started a company called keller williams in the united states yeah. it's called i think it's called the millionaire real estate investor it is we love that book i love, we love that book i just re i've read it over and over again um yeah it's one of my favorites because it's just like a, such a clear plan like first you buy a million then you own a million, own a million, make a million. And, he, and I like all the kind of inspiring stories. And he just walks you through the process, like in a very clear yeah. way. Yeah. yeah so definitely that one. Eric Keller. Mm. Awesome. Ben. Oh, yeah. So, John, when you came on this podcast, we said set an intention for what you want. Um, what is your intention for coming on the podcast? And also give us your contact details. How do people reach you so that they can help make your intention a reality and you can ask for anything? You can say, I want more clients. I'm looking for more coaches, whatever yeah. it is that you want. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I mean, my intention was to, to contribute to people like it meant a lot to me that um my last recording has benefited so many people i'm so happy to hear that so many people have gotten into real estate and been able to build wealth that way because i i love it to me it's like the great leveler it's like you know you don't have to go to college you don't have to have a lot of things just to get into real estate um right. but it's, it's a nice way to build wealth and i love that about it um yes. and um you know in terms of what I want. I mean, I don't really have any real estate needs right now. I guess, honestly, mm -hmm. yeah, just to get the word out about my business, like, you know, um, you know, if you're interested in coaching, like if you're a business owner or an executive and one of my unique gifts is to feel energetically people's blockages and, and get that out of their way. And then people just mm -hmm. kind of expand in every direction. You know, they make way more money they are happier their family life goes better they just really thrive um so if, if that's something you're interested in you can get in touch with me um on facebook or instagram or via my website which is johntgriffith.com and i'm also um doing a course teaching other coaches and healers how to run successful businesses so if you want to okay. do that that's something you're interested in as well you know, starting an online coaching business or a healing business, 
um, reach out to me about that. And um, yeah, and I'm, and I'm starting to build these mastermind groups. So I've got a mastermind for, you know, spiritual entrepreneurs, a mastermind bringing the divine feminine in, which is something Van and I talked about in the last podcast. Um, I loved your podcast. Yeah, so on the yeah. Money Magic podcast, guys, you can just check it out. Just search for Money Magic on iTunes, Spotify, um, Podbean. It will be there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love, you know, love to talk, reach out. I love talking to people and see how I can be of service. Okay. That is awesome. Thank you so much, John. Has been such a pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's it a is. joy. I am glad to have spent this time, longer time with you personally interviewing you. And thank you. You gave back to the idea of this podcast. Thank you again, John. You I I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. It's so cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's, a, it's a joy thank and an you. honor. And thank you, Mizo. Thank you so thank you, much, then. Property Magicians. We will see you guys with another incredible episode next yeah. week. Episode 101. Yes. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangelia Makwakwa, and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page or find me on Twitter and Instagram as vangile makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at Miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at Miranda at wealthy-money.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.